Hello and welcome to this edition of Discover Mercer County Business. I'm your host, Rod Wilt, and I'm the Executive Director of Penn Northwest Development Corporation. We are Mercer County, Pennsylvania's Certified Economic Development Organization. Our motto is, make it in Mercer County, and our role is to create low-cost finance, financing solutions for recruiting, retaining, and growing jobs and business opportunities in every corner of the county. The sole purpose of this program is to showcase people and organizations that are making things happen here. We interview them to find out why they have chosen Mercer County, Pennsylvania as a great place to live, work, and play. We're producing this show in conjunction with Teal College students, faculty, and staff, and we're coming to you from the state-of-the-art TV and radio studios in the James Pettus Communication Center on Teal's campus in Greenville. If you'd like to connect with our improvement movement team to see how you can make it in Mercer County, please visit our website at penn-northwest.com or call us at 724-662-3705. You can also find us on YouTube by searching Penn Northwest <laughs> Development Corp or connect with us on LinkedIn and other social media platforms. We hope you enjoy this edition of Discover Mercer County Business. And today we welcome to our program, Mr. Tom Roberts. Tom is the Executive Director with the HOPE Center for Arts and Technology in Sharon, Pennsylvania. Tom, welcome to Greenville, welcome to Teal, and welcome to the program. Thanks very much, appreciate the opportunity. Tom, just start off by telling mm -hmm. us uh, the unique relationship between the Hope Center for Arts and Technology, what you do and the relationship you have with uh, Bill Strickland, who we were honored at Teal to be able to give an honorary doctorate uh, in the last year or two. So give us a little background on the Hope Center. Sure, so uh, Hope Center for Arts and Technology, or HOPECAT, uh, is founded on an education model uh, founded by Bill Strickland over 50 years ago in Pittsburgh. And uh, one thing that a lot of people don't know is Bill only applied to two colleges. The first college was Pitt, the other one was Teal. He ended up going to Pitt where he graduated and became a MacArthur Genius Award winner and established a world-renowned education model uh, under the Manchester Bidwell education model. Uh, but Bill's always had a soft spot and a close connection to Teal, as well as our organization has a, a very close alignment with Teal. And, um, uh, Teal actually uh, honored our organization, myself and Michael Walton, our board chair, a number of years back um, with uh, the, the, the Founders Award here. Oh, great, yes. And, um, and yeah. Bill is just a phenomenal resource. We're thrilled to have um, just collaboration with Teal. Tell us about some of the programs. Sure, uh, so at HopeCat, uh, we have youth arts and adult job training in, in conjunction, just again mirroring that education model. We focus our adult job training in the medical field and the youth arts program. We work in painting, printing, and pottery. And our whole goal is to, to break cycles of poverty, get people on a plan and a path, and ultimately lead to a productive life for a job at a livable wage with benefits. Tom, how do you staff the organization? When I visited, I was just intrigued by your artist in residence. You have a potter in residence, if that's what you call yep. them. So mm -hmm. uh, talk about how they interact with your faculty and even, even you as an administrator. Sure, so we're, we are a, a 501c3. We have a tremendous uh, leadership from our board of directors. Uh, I am the executive director and then I, my job is to find the right people and build the right culture. So we have a, a unique mix of artists and then also people with technical skill to deliver the education as a private licensed school. 
And uh, we really, we have a special group of people that come to work every day uh, to bring that to life and really get the results we expect. Let's back up. Let's back up from Bill's vision to how the center became a reality because what I found fascinating was how you just recaptured the life of a, of a retired uh, school building in Sharon. So kind of walk us through that, that path because you were with the organization actually during that construction period. Absolutely. Uh, so a group of community leaders came together and saw the successful model that Bill had established in Pittsburgh, which is now global. There's even a center in Israel. Um, and what the beauty of the model is it's adaptable to the local needs of the market. And a group of our community leaders led by Michael Walton, um, Aaron Perneski, Paul O'Brien, Karen Winter said, um, came to the table and said, hey, we think this could help people help themselves. It already works in these other communities, but how would it work here? Um, uh, God bless Paul O'Brien. He had the vision to purchase the old Sacred Heart Catholic School and then donate it to the project. Wow. And then uh, we had to work with, uh, you know, it's a public-private partnership. So we ended up working with Penn Northwest and working with the Commonwealth to secure some grant funding to help with construction and then really work with all of our employers and educators to make this come to life. It, it took, started, the, the first inroads of this started back in 2012. And, uh, but it's absolutely a social entrepreneurship. So talking about the economic impact of just the construction itself, how big was the project? How many square feet was the building and how big is the, is the overall project? I know you still have some left to build out as well. Yeah, yeah, so uh, we jokingly tell people we built a new building inside the old building. So it's approximately a um, 13 acres of property on the West Hill in Sharon, 45,000 square foot facility of which we've already finished probably 25 to 30,000 square feet of it. So the, what's left are just some small spaces, each thousand square foot each. Um, the total build out hard and soft cost is about 4 million. Uh, to build that on an empty site would have probably been 14 million. Uh, so really talk about having vision of seeing the value in what was there and being able to do it at an affordable price. I, I'll give all that credit to our building committee, Paul O'Brien and the board. Um, we had the challenge of traveling to the other centers and embedding the DNA of that education model into the space. And we went everywhere. We went to the other centers, went with our architect, and we really are thrilled with the impact and, and really getting that, that feel from the other centers in our facility. And then what I recognized when I was there is that feel really comes from your students. They've really bought in to your programs. But tell us the type of students that you're reaching because I found this fascinating as well. Yeah, so um, on the two sides, we have the youth arts program and then we have the adult job training medical program. I'll start with the, the youth side. Um, we love, our ideal student is like the not athlete, introverted kid that really is just looking for a place to fit in. And um, we, we work very hard on teaching kids soft skills as well as transferable skills that will relate into a productive career path. And we do that through pottery, painting, printing, we actually have them making things. So that yeah. way when they graduate, we build up their self-esteem, self-confidence, communication skills to get them to understand that college is not the only end game. You can go to a trade school. We have a trade school here in the medical field, but you can also become a welder. There's a lot of manufacturers in our area looking for good people that are gonna show up on time and work hard. So. Uh, you know, that side, we see those successes all day, every day. Well, give me one, because you referenced a student, and I don't think he was in the building at the time, but 
it was someone that really touched you as to how effective this approach and letting these kids find their space is. And uh, yeah, well, the the, the one I'll I'll talk about, um, it's it's actually a, a woman. She um she was one of our first art students at when we we didn't even have a building. We started with a collaboration at okay. Penn State Shenango. Okay. She um Tatiana, uh, she started at college at YSU, and she struggled after two years. Uh, but we had built a relationship with her through our youth arts program, and she reconnected with us and said, hey, I, th I think I still might want to work in the medical field. We said, well, we have our medical assistant program. Why don't you come on board with us here? It's no cost. And you can leverage what you've already learned in the medical field. Um, she applied. She got into the program. Uh, she graduated. And she currently works for a pulmonology office locally. So, But it started with a real relationship um, and helping her get on her path. So let's segue that right into the economic development impact from job creation. So sure. you had given us a formula of someone who was on public assistance, transferring them through a program at the Hope Center, mm -hmm. and now put some numbers behind that. Sure. Um, uh, the numbers I'll give you, these are real numbers from my first commencement class. We had 19 students graduate. Um, half of them were on public assistance, so roughly 10, right? Um, when we started the programming, you know, we do your research, and we know that uh, a single mother with two kids on assistance costs us as taxpayers about $25,000 a year, every year. That's money out, right, as a public. Yep. We train somebody one time, and they're going to go from costing us $25,000 to making, on average, about $15 an hour. If you do the math on that, $15 an hour, 50, 40 hours a week, 52 weeks, it's just a hair over thirty grand a year. You throw the fringe package on that, 30%, now you're kissing 40,000 in gross income. So per person, that's a positive swing of 65,000 per year. And that's the starting wage. That's, that doesn't that's even... the start, that doesn't include that, and they're paying taxes. So in the just the first five years alone from our commencement of that graduating class, the positive economic impact of those 10 individuals is almost three and a half million dollars. So let's circle that back to the cost of the project Four yes. million dollars, state taxpayer participation of mm -hmm. what? What was the two million in our cap funds for construction, which yep. was matched by another two million of funds that you raised either from generous donors or foundation support. Mm -hmm. So that completes the circle. So exactly. for two million dollars of taxpayer investment over a five-year period, you're paying back into the system a five million dollars of economic impact. Some of which is going to be siphoned back off by the state in terms of taxes and and other things. So that's that's the cycle of economic life and why uh, organizations like ours exist to make these strategic investments on behalf of the Commonwealth. So as a certified economic development organization, that's what we're charged to do. Find these unique opportunities where we can turn an investment into a return on investment for taxpayers. So. Absolutely, yeah. And, and to have an advocate like Penn Northwest and Harrisburg and locally with elected officials when these opportunities, when these entrepreneurs and social entrepreneurs see an opportunity to help people help themselves, it's it's amazing to have everybody come in and do their part and connect the dots. And then here we are eight, nine years later and we can reveal these statistics. It works, it really does work. What's been the impact of the, uh, the, the COVID pandemic on your model? Because obviously like everybody else, you've had to adapt and change and and uh, kind of shift on the fly? Sure, yeah, uh, the, the private licensed school board allowed us to go remote uh, from the adult job training side, and we've been working 
in a hybrid model since everything broke. Um, initially, we went com completely remote with the youth arts, um, but then we went back to in-person. We're, we're blessed with a really, you know, large spacious areas. So we listen to the you know, CDC guidelines and we've just adapted all along. Uh, we mask, we keep at a distance, and we've really had no issues in our facility to date. So you're drawing from how many school districts at this time? Is every school district in the county? Or are you crossing county lines? Uh, we, we work with any students grades nine through 12. So we've, I think we have uh, over I think six or seven different public schools of students coming on a regular basis. Is and that an after school or in school program? After school, like 3.30 to 5.30, Monday through Friday. And uh, the, what we enjoy is the blend of kids and, and mixing studios and mixing students from different schools. So as you look at where you've been in the past, and then how do you set yourself up for 2021? I guess you're like everybody else, you're in a little bit of a transitional period seeing how the pandemic plays out, and maybe the vaccine, how that impacts people's willingness to come back to the building, but. Yeah, I mean, we, we've, we consistently, we've, like everybody, we got used to getting, trying to get solid footing in like mud, right? And yeah. quicksand. Um, but what we do is we listen to the CDC guidelines. Uh, we make the best decisions we can to keep everybody safe. And uh, our students have been tremendous. Uh, the, the life stresses that we all have in manufacturing education, people are parents, people are working, and they're coming to school. We do the distancing, we do the masking, and we, we just manage the best we can. The good news is, is we still have students applying. We're still going to be expanding our curriculum. We just might, instead of having 20 students in the class, we might have 10 so that we can make sure we socially distance. And where do you see that uh, curriculum uh, expansion coming from? What areas do you see? Uh, this kind of segues into the needs of the county, and obviously you're adapting to the needs of the county. So you've seen a need, you've come up with a program. Mm -hmm. where, what are those programs? What do they look like for the so, future? So in the medical space, we started with a 10-month medical assistant program. So it's Monday through Friday, 8.30 to 3. That's a pretty invest, you know, 10 months. That's a lot of, it's, it's, it might be no cost, but it's not free, right? So, but what we discovered was there are a lot of people that couldn't commit to 10 months. So we looked at a, the, the successful program and said, well, is there a carve out we could do? So we were just recently licensed to do just a phlebotomy program. Right. So the medical assistant program includes that, but we can now do in just 20 weeks, a four day a week program for two hours a day. So we can have adults coming three to five in the same lab space, we already have all the equipment, and I can tell somebody, hey, if you wanna get into healthcare, you can do it in 20 weeks, not 10 months. So that's our most recent growth, and we're recruiting students right now for that program. As Soon as we get to 10, we're gonna start the cohort, and then we're gonna ladder that. You know, if, we, if there's more demand, maybe we'll do a second cohort in the year. We also want to look to grow beyond that into the manufacturing space. Work with regional manufacturers, come up with a list of in-demand skills, and that's where on the youth arts side it's going to be a beneficial, that if they're used to processing and manufacturing items in the artist studio, it's going to translate over into working in a steel mill, working in light fabrication, working in a job shop. Uh, that's, and that's how I started out was working in manufacturing, so a lot of opportunities. So when you have a student come to you and they're interested in art, mm -hmm and they have a passion, a vision for something, you teach them how to pro put that vision into a process, mm -hmm. and then, who knows, maybe they become a fantastic welder because that's an art form. Maybe they become you know, something else in manufacturing that they're not quite thinking of, but maybe it's just uh, marketing, TV production, whatever, Anything. where they can draw on their, mm -hmm. their creative side and mm -hmm. apply it in an industrial setting where they may not have thought their skill set would apply from the outset of the program. And that's another mm -hmm. thing I would imagine you're trying to do is 
is show these kids how to process their creativity and where you can find a place where you can make money doing it because not Absolutely. everybody can make money making pottery or painting or whatever mm -hmm. so yeah we're not trying to make artists what we're trying to make are people that make things uh, one of our uh, one of my favorite students is a student from Farrell. Uh, he actually goes to the career center and he's studying auto body so he's doing you know auto body finishing and then he comes to us for art so he's learning pottery and he's learning painting and he's learning printing and he'll be able to adapt some of those skills transferable into his career which he's passionate about auto body and wants to work with his hands and that is awesome so that's why you're focusing on the visual arts i mean that's really mm -hmm. what the is how to put structure around that creativity i find that fascinating yeah and it's in the <clears throat> the, the educational model is founded on you, you're going to you're going to make this you make it and then you fail you know the, the kiln fired it wrong or you you didn't put the right ingredients in and then it cracks well then you learn you learn and then the the ultimate is when you finish it then we have a big party we invite everybody in and you celebrate that and that's really the most important part is the celebration remembering the learning and the process and we teach people failure we teach people uh, soft skills. We teach them that you're not always going to be victorious, right? Um, those are the real lessons that we all learn in life, but we teach it. We start with visual arts. Now, we probably will go into performing arts someday, but for right now, we started with the core of visual arts. You know, we think, um, me being a former athlete, that we can only <laughs> learn those skills in competition, but you're teaching people how to deal with the failure in, in their creative world, which I think is phenomenal. Now, here's the part of this program that I love. Now I get to drill down on you, Tom. Tell us a little bit about your background, how you came to the Hope Center, kind of your career path uh, that brought you from school-age kid through college, professional development, now to the executive director. And when you told me when you have to sign some documents, you're also the president of the uh, of Hope Cat. So tell us your story. Sure. Um, so I grew up in the Northeast uh, near the Scranton area, and I went to Penn State, marched in the band. And um, what was your <clears throat> instrument? Uh, so I was a uh, trumpet, baritone, and drum major. So, oh, um, fantastic. So the, uh, the leadership and, and life lessons I learned in the marching band uh, queued me up for a job in manufacturing in the Philly area. And I, I ended up working my way up from, I walked in the door as a temp wow. um, in a manufacturing company with my shiny college degree, because they, they were hiring. And um, <clears throat> all, all the way through, I just was willing to do things, and I said yes. And then, <clears throat> excuse me, when I uh, graduated, or after I graduated, I was there 12 years, um, I ended up making it to the vice president level in sales. Uh, we were a half a billion dollar company. I had a hundred million dollar revenue budget. And along the way, I had married my wife and moved here. And I woke up and realized, wow, I, I'm always on an airplane and I'm never home. So I, true words, in 2007, I said to my wife, I'd I'd like to do something community-based, nonprofit, in education. And if it had the arts involved with it, that'd be a dream job. <laughs> Those are, I said that in 2007. But sorry. that's the thing. you got to say it. <clears throat> you you got to say it. you got to get it out of your mouth and so I, that it I goes it. out into the universe and then it starts to happen. Well, and, and then my wife, thankfully, uh, her name's Ryan. She's amazing. She said, we'll figure it out. She owns a business locally. And um, I didn't meet Bill Strickland until 2012. I volunteered with nonprofit boards. I worked in a small family business, my wife's business, for a few years. And then I got to know Mercer County. And I got to know the nonprofit sector and the educational spaces. 
And then uh, when the opportunity presented itself to apply for this opportunity, um, I had the right skills. I knew the right people. I had worked in healthcare. And when I threw my hat in the ring, it was the right fit at the right time. But I, I want to go back to that because I find that really fascinating and cool as well that you went from manufacturing to healthcare. Yeah. So tell me about that transition. So um, I did, it was a shower door medicine cabinet company for 12 years. Uh, then I worked in my wife's family business, which is greenhouse garden center landscaping. Totally different than manufacturing, but again, manufacturing, taking care of customers with retail. Um, I wanted to work in the nonprofit space, and then um, Sharon Regional at the time was a nonprofit, and there was an opportunity there to work on the administration team. And I knew that at its core, that was the largest nonprofit in the county, and they helped people. And I thought, what a pure mission. I don't know anything about healthcare, but if I could throw my hat in the ring, take my experience to this point in my career, and genuinely at the end of the day we help people, that would be a home run. So they took a risk on me, I took a risk on them, uh, then they ended up selling You know, within two years. I was recruiting physicians and working on strategic planning. I learned a whole lot. But actually what it did is it perfectly positioned me for when HopeCat was getting ready to launch because they needed to know what it took to work in healthcare know the players in town, and know what it took to run a healthcare clinic. I, I knew what it was to hire a doc and to place them in the clinic and the hospital by that point. So it really was just like divine in that moment um, that not only I got to still continue to help people, but now I get to help people help themselves and get them on a career path. And um, I, I'm a firm believer in networking and just building a strong network. And whenever anything's happened great in my life or terrible in my life, I always go to my network for support. And uh, I'm happy at this point in my career to leverage my network, uh, personal and professional, to help people get on a career path. That's the biggest joy I get right now. That's awesome. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to show you a little video on Penn Northwest and a little bit about some of what we offer to the marketplace whenever a company is looking to grow or expand or even come out of the ground in Mercer County. And then I want to get back to you, Tom, and talk about some of your leadership traits, what you look for in leaders how you build your staff, how you build your team, and what you see the future of HopeCat being in Mercer County. So we'll do that right after this. Can you expand and grow? Then Mercer County, Pennsylvania is the right place for you. Whether your company is involved in manufacturing, technology, logistics, health, or business services, shale gas exploration, or retail, we can help. Mercer County, Pennsylvania offers low-cost land, valuable infrastructure, a quality labor force, and the right financial tools to make your corporate expansion an affordable reality. Mercer County is only a day's drive to major markets including Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Buffalo, New York City, Chicago, and even Southern Canada. Companies like GE Transportation, Joy Cone Company choose to make it in Mercer County, and Penn Northwest wants to show you how your company can also make it in Mercer County too. Our team of experts will help you expand and save dollars. How does Penn Northwest do it? How does Penn Northwest save companies so much money? With a combination of low interest loans, grants and credits, tax abatements and even tax free property. Here's the best part. Penn Northwest will do most of the work for you. Just click on the button below and get the process started. Or you can first get an idea of how your organization can make it in Mercer County by using the savings estimator located at makeitinmercercounty.com. 
you'll see that expanding your business in Mercer County, Pennsylvania is the move that makes the most dollars and cents. Call Penn Northwest Development Corporation at 724-662-3705 for more information. We are back with you on Discover Mercer County Business. We're meeting with Tom Roberts, the Executive Director of the Hope Cat in Sharon, Pennsylvania. And before the break, uh, Tom, I, I told you I wanted to, to learn more about your leadership strategy. I, I've always said you don't make leaders, you find them, but somebody probably found them before I did. And uh, you're identifying those leadership traits in, in young people and also in building out your staff. So, you know, how do you define leadership? How do you, how do you pull it out of people? And um, who helped you form the leader in you? Great questions. Um, when I started out, I started out learning about leadership in the marching band field. Uh, and when in high school, I was drum major and college is drum major as well. And um, what I've embraced is a servant leadership mentality. And that was embedded in me from my parents at a young age is leading by example and showing up early, working hard and helping serve the people that you're attempting to lead, right? Um, I would never ask any staff member to do anything that I wouldn't be willing to do. Period. No, that's 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 huge. And yep. um, and my staff knows it, and I genuinely care about them and where they are, and trying to help them create the vision, the the future vision of themselves that they want, and then give them the opportunities to get there. Um, I actually, the other big thing is just culture, uh, and that's reinforced on so many levels every day. Is you have to have the right culture in your organization and be intentional about it. Because if somebody's not the right fit, it's gonna be bad uh, for everybody involved. It, it's just gonna be a struggle for the person that doesn't feel like they fit and the organization which is misaligned with, you know, with where their priorities may lie. And I've also learned that to be a really great leader, I can't tell people what to do. Uh, I have to create the vision with my leadership to say, this is ultimately where we are need to get to. Now, how do we get there? Uh, the best results I'm seeing in, in my career as I continue to learn is um, by watching and being, getting them the resources they need that they determine the path to get there. If I try to tell them you gotta go A to B to C, that's how my mind works. But they might need to go C, A, D, <laughs> right? And, yeah. and it's still the same result and it's much more meaningful for them and the joy and the engagement is so much better. So um, I've learned to talk less, listen more, and validate or walk with my managers as they carve their path. And guess what? They're going to make mistakes just like I do, right? And that's okay. We learn from it, and then we grow from it, and it makes us a stronger team. So it's, it's all those life lessons I learned on the marching band. You know, we can only move as fast as our slowest person. You know, you, people will judge you based on the entire enterprise, the entire sound of that band. They're not going to go, oh, that trumpet was amazing. They're going to go, wow, that, that whole marching band experience, the band front, the visual, everything about it. That's like, we've done our job in my organization. If when you walk in, there's a hum. And that hum comes from the building, the intentionality of everything, the spirit of the students, and the spirit of the staff, and every volunteer. If we've done our job as an organization to build that, it, you can't hide it. It's, it just pours out of the organization, and it's authentic. And, and I think any organization that can create that singularity of mission 
there, that's a good leadership style. And it starts with a good board of directors. It starts with a good staff. And then when a student comes in, they'll feel it. And we felt it. You know, when, when our team visited, I got to tell you, man, from the second we walked through the door, it was just a really cool vibe. And the person that greeted us was fantastic. Of course, you were. Mike was there. Um, your teachers that we ran into were, were great. Unfortunately, we didn't get to interact with many students that, that day just because of the time of day we were there. But yeah. what is it like to perform in front of 80,000 people when you've got to hit every note or perform as a, ma as a drum major? Yeah. Just be perfect. Yeah. How do you do that? Well, the, uh, I learned how to flip uh, to, to go to Penn State. I had the vision of doing it when I was 12, but I didn't learn how to do it until I was at Penn State. Um, when you walk onto the field, it's actually, it's kind of surreal. I couldn't feel my legs if it was me. <laughs> I, I wouldn't be able to feel my legs if it was me. You, I really you, wouldn't. You learn, in, a, uh, you learn in, an, in an empty gymnasium filled with foam squares and trampolines. And I jokingly would tell people, like you, you just slowly add, you go to solid ground and then you add a uniform and then you add 300 instrumentalists and 110,000 people now at Beaver Stadium. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's, it's lonely, but at the same time, you're with your family, and it's, it's hit or miss. I mean, it's, it's all risk, right? And, uh, but when you hit and the stadium erupts and you're there with your family, the Blue Band family is what I perform with at Penn State, it's incredible um, to just know that you get to give a gift of music and experience to that game day crowd and carry on a tradition. And my favorite part was when I'd go back and I'd take the hat off and I'd take the suit off and I'd walk across campus, nobody knew who I was. I mean, it was like I got to be this anonymous Like role. a character in a, like yeah, a, character in a play I got almost. To, I got to carry that tradition for two years and it was one of the cherished things I did because I got to serve the band. I got to serve the university. I got to lead with the other leaders in the band to carry a tradition and cultivate it. And I carry that same thought process to what we do at HopeCat, only we got to build this one from the ground up. And we're gonna carefully cultivate that and make sure that we have the right people so we can help people help themselves. Well, one of the things we didn't talk about, which really isn't directly related to, to business, but it fits into your personal history in the performing arts, is you have a, another facility that you've identified that you're working on, that you're, you're not bringing it out of the ground, but you're putting a brand new face on it. Sure. Tell us about that. Yeah, so I serve on a, a nonprofit board. It's called the Area Community Theater of Sharpsville, or Axe. And we founded that organization 10 years ago, um, but we've discovered again the opportunity to take an abandoned building, which is the Sacred Heart Catholic School in Sharon, or Sacred Heart Church in Sharon. Uh, a local real estate developer is interested in selling us the building, and we've already raised over 100000 in finances committed to it to put a stage there. So coming out of uh, COVID times, uh, we're sincerely hoping to make that into a performing arts center. And HopeCat looks to benefit from that space. It's, it will be right down the hill from us. Another investment in the, West, in the West Hill section of Sharon and downtown Sharon to bring performing arts, economic development uh, right to our town. And, and of course, then you go, Manchester Bidwell has MCG Jazz. So we can bring up MCG Jazz. They have a 30 plus year uh, record of performance. They've won five Grammys. We can leverage the relationships we have. And that's really what it's all about is networking and, and trying to bring another asset to life in town. Tom, that is fascinating. Anything I didn't ask you? Anything you can think of? Because I, I just appreciate Bill's vision initially, mm -hmm. but yours and, and the board bringing a facility like this to Mercer County is such a catalyst for 
kind of non-traditional economic growth, but we talked about the positive impact you're having on our economy. Yes. Taking people from public assistance to the workforce. Um, I, I can't speak in highly enough about um, our, our board and their vision, the staff that we get to do this work, our students, the amount of work that they do to transform themselves, but also the donors and the Commonwealth and, and the foundations and the corporations and individuals that have, when it was an idea on paper and they invested, now we have the results, but it took a lot of dark days to get there, right? It is social entrepreneurship. Social entrepreneurship. Remember but that's that. the patience of economic development. I think that's one mm -hmm. of the things that we can do at Penn Northwest is, is lend our expertise and our wherewithal, but our, also our ability to make sure I's are dotted, T's are crossed. Mm -hmm. So when those applications go into the state, the, the funding's not held up and uh, eventually you get some or all of your money. Right? <laughs> Absolutely. No, very thankful for the collaboration and partnership with Penn Northwest. Amen. Well, Tom, thank you very much for being with us. Uh, that's all the time we have for this edition of Discover Mercer County Business. I uh, want to thank Tom, our guest uh, in this program, for making it in Mercer County. We are producing this show in the state-of-the-art TV and radio studios in the James Pettus Communications Center on Teal College's campus in Greenville. We want to thank the students, faculty, and staff who have helped bring this show to life. And if you have a suggestion or an idea for a future edition of Discover Mercer County Business, please connect with our improvement movement team on our website at penn-northwest.com or call us at 724-662-3705. And remember, you can also find out more about Penn Northwest Development Corporation by searching for us on YouTube or connecting with us on LinkedIn and other social media platforms. We hope you enjoyed this edition of Discover Mercer County Business. We'll see you next time.